Hello and welcome to this week's episode of This is the Future podcast. My name is Dayo Moyo. I trust you had a super splendid and productive week. Yes, splendid and productive week. I'm very sorry. Last week, I just lost track of time. I've been engrossed with certain telegram school. We have currently over 5,000 students. It's been hectic. And somehow I lost track of time and then I forgot to upload last week's episode. But this week, we are going to be continuing the interview I had with Abali, the founder and convener of SGC WhatsApp School. Enjoy. Talk to me about the um, leadership um, um, skill you are trying to inculcate in a number of the students by making them captains in the various groups. Talk to me about your thought process about that and that how they've been stepping up to resp the responsibility. Yeah, first of all, uh, there is a set of skills we call the transversal skills. Transversal skills. Uh, these transversal skills, one of the one of the transversal skills that we have is the student leadership and personal development skills. The ability to lead teams. All right. Now, that is a skill that we hope to incorporate by introducing this program to students on that level. Now, the idea is, if at the age of 14 and 15, they can manage a group as large as 200, and then they can get their friends to better organize and structure themselves around projects that they have been given. These are powerful skills that helps us raise the kind of leaders we need in this country. The capacity to leverage resources, to organize around the vision, and to get people to pursue with clear outcomes. All right, it is something we don't lack in political leadership in Nigeria. All right, and we think that if we can start to inculcate these disciplines from very young ages, it helps. All right, schools often assume that appointing prefects are the way to do, you know, student leadership. Uh, and most of these prefects today are different from the way we did preparedness yeah. many years ago in our time. Today, they really have no roles. Yeah. Uh, they are playing. They just hold the title and uh, you know do what they ask to do, what they are told to do. In our time, we had discretion. I mean, we were given discretional powers to do certain things and you know run the school. Uh, when I was senior prefect in my school, my principal doesn't come out to make announcements. I made all the announcements on the assembly. All right, and I got all the students to do exactly as I said. I mean, these were my mates. These were people who, at most, were two, three years younger than me, and then they all complied, which was incredible. So that has gone on to shape my life. So every place I play a leadership role, that prepared me for those roles. All right, so we think that the more opportunity you give students to organize, to plan, and especially to execute a project. Project management is a very key skill they will need as they go on. When they get out of high school, they may even go and do a certificate course in project management. Mm -hmm. And that will open them to run projects, to run contracts, to run big, big ticket transactions, all sorts of things. You know, these are skills that people are going to need. Today's world, when people are giving big contracts, or big projects, they, they, they are required to put together a team. So anybody who has worked with people before, who has project management skills and all of that, become a very key player in those kinds of teams. All right? 
So even if you're not winning the contract, you can become a team player in executing those contracts and you're making just as much money. So you, you, you get a picture. Right. So people need to know that you have those leadership skills and the fact that we, the, the group captains that were appointed, and some were appointed, some were elected, but whatever the case is, we, we have ensure that they have absolute control of their teams, they manage things well, and then we have uh, we, we have some baseline requirements, all right, some standards that they're supposed to uphold. Now, what's important in all of this is that their friends, their mates, will see that the person leading them is a 14-year-old like themselves. Yeah. That will make something up. Because after a while, you come to say, well, how old are you? This person has effectively managed us like this. And you see the person is 14, and maybe you are 17. Something will shift in your mind. All right? I mean, you, you just suddenly start to feel like a big, a big stupid person. Because if somebody that young can manage this effectively, then you see that the future has been modern. So, the, so what we're saying is that the leadership skill will eventually cascade to all of the members of the group as they all learn from one another how to lead in small, small projects going forward. All right, thank you for that. Um, uh, the next question would be um, a question that had um, caught across the globe, not just Nigeria, not just Africa. So when people, and it has been a criti criticism of the method we are currently trying to employ in a time like this. So when you look at platforms like Khan Academy or iTechI or Aston College or so, the basic criticism of the traditional educationist is that in this system of education, there is actually breadth and there is no debt. So you don't zero in on a topic and then teach all the content and download it into the um, heads of the, of the children. Instead, you try to spread their knowledge and give them um, an understanding across board which they can now build on by themselves because you are trying to make them self-sufficient. How do you respond to that? Well, uh, what all these learning platforms are doing are just providing resources. All right, they are not really responsible for your education. You get what I'm trying to say? Yes. Now, SGC WhatsApp School, let me use that for instance, leverages already existing platforms and resources to build a learning community. That learning community is what drives education. You understand, CAM is an education resource app. It is not necessarily a learning community. All right, because you come, you can download the lecture, you can see the video of the lecture, and then off you go. You're not necessarily learning with anybody else or sharing experiences with the class or something. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think I get So that community is what drives education. All right, so, what CAN and all the others can do is to provide access to educational resources, platforms, and even create you an ecosystem where you can go and create the learning community I'm talking about. But people need to come together to learn. Learn around the purpose. All right? So that's what we think schools should be doing. Schools are already learning communities. 
Alright, but they are not leveraging the incredible resources that people, places like, you know, can are making available. Alright, so the children are in a learning environment, supposed to be a learning community, but not, not, not much learning is taking place. Alright, because they don't even understand, so, so many children, school is like a social gathering, where they come to meet their friends and have fun. The most exciting times for them are uh, break times and closing bells. Yeah. So, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Every other thing you guys do there, they don't, they don't, there's no context for the learning, nothing. So school is not a learning community, they don't even know why they're there. They just do well, but what time will write to work, there's Mr. Odu, he will give us Odu, and then our matter is resolved. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So the entire framework for learning has collapsed, which is what schools need to go back to. When schools need to be revamped as learning communities, where the students are coming together and then there is, there is a group that is pursuing interest in uh, mechatronics, there is a group that is pursuing interest in maybe astronomy, there is a group that is pursuing interest in artificial intelligence, there is a group that is pursuing interest in deep machine language, you know, that becomes learning communities. All right, that's what we are trying to say that people should do. Because when you do that, what now happens is children who have interest in AI, for instance, now realize that they need fundamental grasp of math, of physics, chemistry, biology, all of that. So they now study those subjects within the context of the passion they are showing. That's what makes learning make sense. Because if you cannot link all your learning to some place that you are going, you will have no interest in the learning. In fact, if there is no threat of exam or test, you won't learn anything. You will not even open a book. So you, 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 get, you get a picture. Yes, so creating the context for knowledge is important. It's everything. But the question right. is, how far do you think that a virtual community can go to make this um, um, viable? as opposed to the current school physical um, community? Well, virtual communities can definitely do a lot. I mean, a lot. I mean, people can tell you the way that social media has impacted their lives. That's a virtual community. That's correct. You, you, you get what I'm saying? I mean, they've not left their homes, but they have formed strong, powerful bonds and friendship. They have learned new skills. They have closed business deals. They have done all sorts of things. You understand? It's all virtual. They never left their homes, and yet they had all these things going. You, you, you get a picture. Yes. So, so what we're saying is that those virtual learning environments have to become learning communities where people are meeting with real people, and then they're sharing, you know, mutual interest in an area of concern. That's that's where we need to start to go. That is where the future of learning really is. All right. So that even when we meet in school, all right, we can continue that interaction. But when we meet virtually, then the boundaries that school creates is no longer there. I can have somebody from Pakistan and my virtual community, I can have somebody from London, somebody from the UK, somebody from anywhere. And so we can all come together from teams, you know, beat around the need to solve a problem, a COVID problem, a problem somewhere. And then everybody's going out there to solve those problems. So you, you get a picture, and then you realize that some of those problems, there's a need for you maybe to write your code. You don't realize that you need to improve your skills on code writing. Yeah. In some of this problem, there's a need for you to apply boys lower. You know, I mean, you didn't brush up your chemistry. You know, that's what I'm saying. Problems create context for resources. If there's no problem, there's no context for resource. If, if, if you have a hammer in your hand, it's a useless item until there is a broken part of your furniture where you need to nail something. That problem gives you context to the tool. Yeah. 
You, you understand what I'm trying to say? So that's what we are saying. So what we are trying, what the kind of education we give kids here locally is, is the kind of education that requires them to learn the tools without giving them a, a problematic context for it. And so they don't know why they are learning the thing. They don't know why, you, why they have a hammer in the first place. Why are they giving us hammers? <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. You can get a picture. Yes, but sir. when I first introduce you to all of the problems of carpentry, broken furniture all over the place, and why we need to fix that, all right? And then I introduce you to the hammer. It makes sense. It makes sense. Then I know that with this tool, I can solve this problem. That's what we're trying to say. Teaching whatever you're teaching without creating a context for the learning is a very, very difficult way to learn. Very difficult. Because you, except maybe they threaten you that, look, if you don't pass this course, you are not going to university. <laughs> Yeah, yeah we'll not, no, we'll not sit down and let it. So it's like we are, we are walking by threats instead of inspiring the students to yes. learn. That's the thing. And it is problem that inspires people. Yeah. You, you get what I'm trying to say? The mountaintop inspires us, the valley matures us. So it's the way that things work. So when people don't know what, look at all the breakthroughs you're talking about. They were inspired by problems. People love themselves at the laboratory to look for a solution to something. That's how we got what we got. That's how we learned what we're learning. They, are, they, they weren't just learning in a bubble. So you, you, you got a picture. So that is how education should be done. <laughs> so that when you are writing a curriculum, for instance, it should be driven by a statement of need in the real world. So that the curriculum you are writing is helping learners acquire tools and skills to solve the problems. You know that people don't know why they are studying. Well, a child will come and meet you and say, why are we doing Pythagoras theorem? What is it for? How, how, would you, how would you respond to that? I mean, you, you, I, mean I, I have learned Pythagoras theorem I mean, all these years, and then yeah. used to do anything. Yeah. And now a child is actually sad. Why are, we, why are you teaching Pythagoras theorem? What is it for? Exactly. How would you explain you can't explain that. So, sir, I've got two or three more questions, and then we we'll call it a wrap. Um, the first of the three is that um, what are the challenges you are going through currently running a virtual community, and um, how are you trying to um, work on those challenges and make sure that you are able to surmount them? Uh, the challenges are on two fronts. Um, the first would be on the side of the learners, uh, ensuring that they are online when classes are taking place is usually issue. Now, there are systemic problems like power that they don't have. And uh, so sometimes kids don't have power on their laptops, on their phone to be able to join the classes, and that is a big problem. All right, and data can be a challenge for them sometimes. So when they do come up, they realize that they've missed a class or there's some information that they have skipped and then they become jaded or worried about that. So having the kid, the kids having all the tools they're required to leverage this program can be a challenge. Uh, this is the one advantage that a physical school has over a virtual school because they can close a deal that allows them to have constant power and data supply to all the learners within the school hours. Uh, the other side of this is um, this program doesn't have any kind of funding yeah. of any kind, any kind. And so you 
you are just working with the goodwill of tutors who are volunteers to be in a program. There are over 60 of them. And then there is a limit to which you can impose. For instance, a tutor can call you just 30 minutes before a class is supposed to start. Oh, sorry, something came up. I won't be able to be available online. Yeah. And then you have to start scrambling all over the place to get a replacement for that class at a nine minute. That that's, uh, has been a major challenge for us. All right, and uh, if, if these people were on payroll, even even honorarium, all right, it would have been easier to, you know, have a voice in deciding what happens because you could say these are the things that we expect. But there's a limit to which you can set rules. Volunteers. Yeah. But so that you, means, yeah. Sorry to cut you short on that. Um, do you think that the government, for example, Lagos State government, started um, something on um, on TV and radio, which is a good thing, but which also has some of the drawbacks that a virtual learning environment could solve? Do you think that the government also needs to begin to look at solutions like yours and try to plow in resources into it so that um, students on this kind of platform, 4,000 um, students, it's no joke, can also be able to get what is necessary. Yeah, I think uh, we, we, I had some conversations with some officials of the Ministry of Education when we started out. They reached out to appreciate the effort and the fact that, uh, you know, we were able to put this very quickly as soon as that was happening. In fact, they have also indicated interest to collaborate with us when all of this is over so that we can see how we can scale this up uh, on a statewide basis, you know, going forward, introducing virtual learning into school. And we are happy to have these conversations when they want to have it. So I, I think this particular state is forward-looking. They're quite progressive in the way that they approach this thing. Uh, the learning on radio and TV is also quite good. Yeah. Uh, for Especially most students have phones and even the, the, the smallest Android phone has a radio facility. Exactly. A radio absolutely can connect and just listen in. Yeah. And the only challenge between that and what we're doing is the absence of interaction. Exactly. All right. A student can listen to a subject matter, but he can ask questions. He can raise objections. The, the teacher there is running a blind class, so to speak, right. because you cannot exactly tell or evaluate how much learning is taking place or whether or not any student is even listening. So you get a picture. Right. But that can be solved with a virtual platform. You can see the student's activity as they're liking the polls, as they're asking questions, as they give uh, short activities, and then they are responding. So you could see that these kids are actually here. They're fully engaged, they're fully you know, informed and all of that. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I believe after this, um, not just the state government, all the government ministries will be better prepared to address the issue of virtual learning. Hopefully. People. All right. Two more questions, as I promised. I, I read one of your um, posts on the group where you talked about online safety. How, how big of an issue is it? Uh, how are you trying to combat that? Well, yeah, we were able to deal with it very early. Um, that's part of the reason we like to be very transparent 
in this page because as soon as the parents complained that an adult male took the phone number of his daughter, maybe saw her, her engagement on the group and they started chatting her up and all of that and then somebody else was asking for another person's phone number on the main group and all that. So we, we felt we had to close those doors. Alright, that's all. as soon as soon as we made that public caveat, we have not had another incident. Or at least no parent has come up with any other complaint about that happening. So we didn't have too much of a problem. It was just the first two cases and then we treated those quickly and then that problem seemed to have vanished. Perfect. So I I, I understand um, what you're trying to do and how difficult and time consuming it may be because I also run a WhatsApp school for junior um, students on a small scale. So the question, the next question would be that how do you, how are you able to meet every of these demands in a day? Um, having to be on the group in the morning, having to be on the group in the evening, trying to make up classes, who does what and the rest of that. How are you able to manage all those on a personal level? Yeah, on a personal level, I've been running full throttle. Wow. Entirely because I, 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 I work a standard 12-hour day on this SDC WhatsApp group. Wow. Right, beginning from to eight in the morning to eight in the night, wow. because um, you have to coordinate with tutors, ensure that if there are any issues, we got them resolved, and then you have to make early morning announcement, fix all sort of things, and then you have to monitor that classes are taking place yeah. between between ten and one. You're going back and forth. I've had to take classes quickly to cover up for teachers who are not around, or at least engage the class while teachers are coming, and then those sort of things. And in the afternoon. It is a lot of feedback because by the time you are done with that, you come back to your WhatsApp, you have almost one month <laughs> yeah. of all sorts of people, because there are thousands of people in this program, and yeah. they are all sending you, and then you, you want to address the chat, and at the same time, you want to prepare for the material for the critical thinking activity, wow. some of which require you to do design. I have I do a bit of design, so, and I have some people in the background to do design for me. Uh, so we, we just get this done. Uh, recently, I have to bring on board uh, four new, uh, four more staff uh, from my side into the program so that they can help to help manage a few things back and forth. So it's been time consuming, it's been a complete shutdown. I I have been eventually become principal. It's a 12 hour work day, non, yeah. non stop. So the, in the evenings, but the is over at 8, uh, <laughs> I have collapsed into the bed and say, you know what, okay, it's been a little bit And the next day, we're excited to continue because, yeah. you know, when you, when you get feedback from kids that, oh, I enjoy the class, I'm having a good time and all of that, that's the fuel you need. Exactly. That's what I wanted to ask that. Um, <laughs> what's the fulfillment in it? What, what's the fulfillment that makes you wake up again the next morning to put in some more fuel in, into what you're doing? That feedback is so important that the kids are saying oh now i know this better now i that, that you could see learning taking place i mean if you are a core educator 
the one thing that really drives you is the appearance or the evidence of learning. That learning has happened, that kids are smarter, that people now know better than they used to. Alright, all of that is reward by themselves. Yeah. Alright, like the sages would say, good is his own reward. So by doing good, you feel rewarded by the good itself. Alright, and when you get feedback from people, they say, you know what, this has really helped. And there are some parents that have come to the back end to say, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. We give us feedback, my kids enjoy that class, or oh, thanks for this video. And, you know, this thing is help. Alright, there is zero financial benefit. Zero. Mm. Not one cover is coming from any because this is something we are doing to support because of the COVID-19. Mm. Do, 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 do you understand what I'm saying? We've not received any kind of uh, support from any organization that have seen what we're doing. It's okay, you know what? Because we, we have people, sometimes I even support my tutors, not all of them, just a few of them, who are having challenges, you know, get data, be online, do some kinds of things. So I spend quite of my own resources, wow. you know, getting the back and running. There's no power. We have to run laptops so that everybody doing what we be. Right. We have to run generators all through. Right. You know, do all the things that we do. So they said, look, there's some cost for us at the back end mm. that we are paying from our own pockets in a COVID nineteen lockdown. Wow. When people should be preserving their <laughs> <laughs> and money. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are pushing ours out to ensure that kids continue to learn. You, you, uh, you, don't, you don't get what I'm trying to say. Yes, that's I didn't something. do press relief release. I didn't do anything. I don't really care too much about this kind of publicity. I just want to make sure that you're making a difference. Lives are changing. And that's fulfilling. And I think you don't need to care too much for you to do this kind of things. Because if you no. do care too much, you wouldn't even start in the first place. No, you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't at all. <laughs> So what next? What next for SGC after the after the lockdown? SGC is an organization that's been existing for the last five years. Wow! It's, we didn't it didn't we didn't start it up uh, because of the uh, crisis. Uh, we've been there. We we what what is happening is that we have an we have SGC across some universities, and we also have in. Or is that an NCC project going on at Ikorodu? All right, Ikorodu is the one place where we have it outside the university. All right, in in some other universities where we are, we have six universities. We the NCC is a is a community of smart young people who <coughs> who run what we call the Botex uh, Intelligence Program. The Botex Intelligence Program is a program that identifies. 100 global issues that are shaping the future and then you get these young people to specialize on at least three of those issues wow building the right skills the right context and the right network so that by the time you get out of school you are instantly valuable to the industry you're focused on so that that helps you balance school and readiness for the future because school alone will not ready you for the future so you, so you need school you need that certificate you also need to build the right kind of skills and knowledge sets required for you to be competitive in the future so that's what we're doing in our NCC structures around universities and it's been beautiful it's been absolutely breathtaking the quality of people coming out of this system is amazing all right so that we, we do that 
In the Korodu, we launched something called the Korodu Rising Project so that we can identify some of the smart young people in the Korodu. April, Monday, we run a leadership training program. I got a flat, I got a property, a, I, I hired, I leased at a place in the Korodu where they have those meetings. All right. Um, so there are about 13, 14 young people wow. who permanently live there and uh, we I, we, I provide um, upkeep they each twice a day, wow. and it's been, it's been that way for 14, for four years. This is a 50 year running, so, so we've been spending on those levels, on a, on a quiet place. So as, as some leave, some coming. But the project itself, nearly 100 people are involved in the SDC structure in Ikorodu. So we have that for Ikorodu, and then we have in some universities running. So the goal after this will be to scale up SDC, because what we're doing is critical not only for the nation, but in positioning the next generation of Nigerians for the future that's coming. So we need to have SGC across every university. Mm -hmm. Running this. So you, you know what I'm trying to say? Right. Even though SGC, you know, has some uh, Judeo-Christian foundation in terms of the fact that uh, we, we have principles around how we think that God has a role to play in ensuring that people become as successful as they should be. All right, but that does not take away from the fact that building skills, building capacity, developing a global awareness of what's, where the world is and where the world is going at the fundamental tools for really leveraging the future. We know that. So that's, so that's, that's the way it is. So that's where we're going. It's not a new thing we're doing. We're doing fantastic work going forward and it's, um, it's gonna get better. Uh, we're going to try to launch a few new schools and, you know, get this thing going. All right. I yeah. think we, we can just go on and on and on and on, but we have to end it, end it here. Uh, and definitely, when all this is gone, I'll still have to have a chat with you at the back end on a personal level. John Pali, I would like to say a very big thank you for being on This Is The Future. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure for me. Really appreciate it. I'd like to say a very big thank you for taking out time to listen to today's episode. Until I come your way next week, be safe, stay sane.